Amen. Well, I want to share with you just a continuation. Uh, if you weren't here last week, uh, how many of you were here last week? Okay, good. That's a good good group of y'all. Uh, two weeks in a row. Way to go. All right. I'm, okay, my wife said I shouldn't have done that. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I skipped a week, a couple weeks ago. I was at a baseball game, so uh, I've repented of that sin. Not a sin, by the way. I want us to, we talked about kind of like multiplying ourselves and life on life. That was the, the name of the message. In other words, my life in Jesus is worth being shared with someone else. That my life is not meant to be lived on my own, but it's meant to be shared with somebody else uh, beyond my own family. You should de- it should definitely be being shared with your family first and foremost. Uh, but after that, God also calls us at times with, with uh, that other time we have to join our life, which is joined to His, and, and press our life into someone else's life so that the life of God can be reproduced in someone else. And so that's what we're, we've been talking about um, from last week. We're going to kind of continue it on here. Um, we're just going to pick up where we left off in Acts 19. So if you want to open your Bibles to Acts 19. We're going to start in verse 8. Acts 19, verse 8. And as you're turning there, Acts 19, 1 through 7, you remember was where Paul shows up, the Apostle Paul. He shows up at this town called Ephesus, and he, there's 12 disciples there. They were disciples of John the Baptist. And he asks, the first question he asks them, uh, is, do you know, have you heard of the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we haven't even ever heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so then he led them, and then he said, you know, well, what do you have? What's going on in your life then? Well, we were baptized by John the Baptist. We're, you know, we were baptized. And he said, okay, that was great, but that was to prepare you to receive Jesus. So then he led them and baptized them in the name of Jesus. In other words, they became saved. But then he said then, there's one more thing though. Uh, there's not just salvation, there's baptism in the Holy Spirit. It says he laid hands on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied because that's what God wants for every one of his children. He desires that for every single one. Um, and so, and God did it. There were about 12 men in all. And from these 12 men, God changed the city of Ephesus. Just these 12 dudes and Paul. 12 dudes and Paul, okay? I guess that could be a different title for the message. So that's where we're at. And so we were we looked at what uh, I don't know what we looked at last week. Anybody remember what did we look at? That's a long time ago, huh? Somebody took notes here. Oh, I should hire you on my staff. <laughs> we talked about. Um, you know, joining our life to someone else's, and number one, uh, you know, believe early on. In other words, they may not look like they can be anything in Jesus, but I need to believe and know and see the potential that they could. That in in every person, greatness, there's greatness, because in every person who becomes a Christian, who becomes a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives, and so there's potential for greatness in every single person. And so I must believe that if I'm going to share my life with someone else, I'm believing that God's going to do something great in them. And then the next one was to mentor courageously. Uh, 
In other words, sometimes you'd have to challenge them to go to the next level. You can, we can't just hang around, hey, hey, it's all good. We just All we do is go out and eat. Sometimes there has to be a point to where we challenge them and mentor them and speak into their life. And um, the last one was lead, challenge boldly. Uh, to challenge them, not only, okay, so mentoring them would be more like teaching them and showing them, hey, how do, how do you pray? How do you hear God? And so here, well, let's talk about that. And you talk about it and you share how you hear God. And that may help them hear God. And then you can practice it together. Let's, let's, let's ask God to speak to us. And you can do it right there. You don't have to wait till the church service. And we all know this. But, um, and the third thing would be to challenge boldly, to challenge them to that next level. I skipped ahead on that one. So we're going to see what Paul did here. It's pretty cool. Um, I think it's pretty cool. Verse 8. So here's what happens after this. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in a lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years. Get this. Look at this in your Bible. So that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Is that an amazing that this is a revival. This is a this is a move of God right here that happened. And so every single person in that whole area, just because of Paul and his disciples and they were growing. So there it was there was multiplication happening, heard the word of the Lord. In that whole area. Verse 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him. Were taken to the sick. And their illnesses were cured. And the evil spirits left them. That's pretty cool. How many of you want to see that? How many of you have seen that? Anybody seen that happen with a handkerchief or there's one? Anybody else? I didn't I didn't know. I mean that's that still can happen. It's not like, oh, that just happened once for Paul. He's the cool guy. No. It it can happen again. So then verse thirteen, um, actually I'm gonna let's stop there for a second here. Here's here's what I what I hear the Lord saying to us as a church. Is that we need we need both these these two things in order to see what we saw here, and it doesn't mean that from our church the whole city of Midland has to hear the word of the Lord. If he wants to do that, that's great. Uh, we're we're a part of the body of Christ here, so we're just on our assignment. But if we want to see that happen in our whether it's our city or the region of West Texas, there's two things that we have to have. Number one is we have to have miracles. And these aren't in order. These are these are these are equal here. We got to see. We have to see miracles, and so we will continue to press in to see God do the miraculous. And it's interesting that I think in the Bible, over and over again, the miracles happen outside the church buildings. Um, they just they just do. And so what that means is we have to be willing to be bold like Paul and step out of the comfortable time and allow God to lead us to that time where 
you're at your, uh, let's see, you're at Maurice's, okay? I went there the other day, another night for the first time. It's a women's clothing store um, where you, I was with Ashley <laughs> and Evan. <laughs> Wasn't shopping for myself. They didn't have anything that was my size. And so, but wherever you are, where do you shop at, Ashlyn? Where do you like to shop at? The Buckle. That's an expensive place. Um, <laughs> isn't it? No. <laughs> when you're at the Buckle, how about you, Kendall? Where do you like to shop? Wherever your mom takes you or wherever. Okay, that's a smart one right there. I'm not saying Ashlyn's not smart. I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> but when you're at the Buckle or you're at Maurice's or you're at Target or wherever that you're ready for the miraculous to be released. And I want this too. I'm asking the Lord, man, Lord, I gotta, I gotta be reminded that, uh, you're ready at any time to release your power. And that miraculous doesn't always mean someone getting out of a wheelchair. The miraculous may mean that the love of God touches somebody for the first time. It, it, there's all kinds of miracles. It could mean that someone, uh, you know, receives an encouraging word and suddenly their whole day is changed. That's miraculous. If it's from God, it's miraculous. And so, you know, but have the whole broad spectrum of miracles from just a smile touching someone's heart and changing their outlook on the day to someone being touched with an, a, a, a handkerchief that I prayed over and laying it on someone and them getting out of a wheelchair or whatever cancer being released from their body, that we're open to the whole broad range of miracles. But we need more than that. That alone will not bring a movement like what happened in the region of Asia, it says here. There also has to be the other word, relationship. See, miracles without relationship is a great time, and then we move on. Relationship sustains what the miracle brings. That's good, I like that. Relationship helps sustain and it can even help build because ultimately what we want is we want someone not just to receive a miracle. We want someone to be joined with Jesus, to be joined in relationship with him. And then their lives become joined with ours because we're joined with him. We are then now joined with each other. We are now one in him. And so then there's that relationship and that helps sustain and build and continue to see the miraculous release. But we need both. We can't have one, I mean, both of them work on their own to a certain extent to do things for, for the kingdom of God. But if you have both of them, you have the multiplication that happened just like it did in the city of Ephesus. You have the miraculous, you have, which salvation is the ultimate miracle, by the way. Be, someone being, being moved from death to life, someone who's lost finding Jesus, that's the most amazing miracle. That's where it starts. And so from all those things happening, but if someone... You know, I can lead somebody to Jesus at the buckle. And if I never see him again, if no other follower of Jesus ever gets in their life, yeah, they're going to they're going to go to heaven. Most I mean, God's going to save them. I mean, if, if they give their life to him. 
But how are they going to grow? How are they going to know anything? How are they? Are they it's not just going to happen on their own that they're going to suddenly uh, just, whoa, suddenly I'm, I'm just a total amazing Christian and I know everything and I know how to walk in God's power. I know I hear his voice. I know how to read the Bible, how to read the scripture and to hear from him. And so they need to be joined up and not left at the buckle. They need to say, okay, give me your phone number. And I'm going to call you next week and we'll get together and let's let's just talk about our life. Let's just let's just I'll just share my life and they'll ask you a question. See, if, if they're real, if someone really received Jesus, they're going to have a lot of questions. They're going to go, man, I went through I went home to my house and I have this weird feeling in my in my this area. And some of you, do you like looking at my back? I like this. You know that I you know, I have this, you know. What what is that going on? You say, well, when did you feel it? When you when you walked in your room? Well, what do you have in your room? Well, I've got I've got an upside down cross hanging on my wall. Or I've got this poster on my wall. Or I've got what's on your walls? What's going on? You can help say, hey, you know what? That's something you need to take down, and that needs to be removed from your lives. Because then the miracle of salvation continues to grow because of the relationship that you have with that other person, and you share your life, that which the life God has put in you and showed you is transferred into their life, and they grow. And then you know what happens? They sh- they can share that with somebody else. So the miraculous and relationship are needed, and we need both of them. We need to allow God to develop both of those things in our lives. To say, hey, I need more of the miracles, but I need more relationship. First of all, with Him, intimacy with Him, closeness with God. You can't do all, all the other stuff flows from that first. And then, relationship with one another. I encourage you, if you don't, if you don't get together outside of a church service with somebody else from our church family, or, or even another believer, then I encourage you to start doing that. Find somewhere, find someone to have lunch with, breakfast, coffee, uh, late night phone call, whatever, however you can communicate, get together, let your life, let your lives together, sharpen each other, encourage one another, bless one another, pour into one another, teach one another. That's what, that's what they did. Notice Paul here. It's in the Bible. In verse 9, it says, so Paul left them when he left the Jews and it says he took the disciples with him. And had discussions. In other words, it wasn't like Paul just said, I just do this and leave you here. He said, here, let, let me show you how to do this. And don't, don't think that Paul was just the one doing everything. Don't, don't read that from the scripture because that's not what it's saying. It's saying Paul was the, was the spark. Paul was the instigator. Paul, that's what apostles do. They start things. They're sent to begin the work. And the work is not sustained through the apostle. It's sustained through the people. Through the teachers and the pastors and the prayers and the, and the workers and the servers and the helpers and the worshipers and whatever else I left out. So all those together produced and don't, don't think that just Paul was seeing the miracles. The other people were seeing them too. So how did Paul do that? I want you to look in a, there's a bunch of other stuff I'm just going to skip in, in this section. There's a, Verses 13 through 16 is like some of the most interesting verses in the Bible. Just so if you want to read them and you're bored with my sermon, go ahead and read 13 through 16. Uh, there's a, they made such an impact in that city. It says later on that all these people begin to get rid of all their, their occultic books and their sorcerer books and stuff. It was a very occultic type place with all kinds of demonic stuff. And they begin to burn their books. You know, it's like 
person going in that room, how come I feel bad in my room? Well, you've got some poster on your wall of some group that sings to the, to the devil. So you know what? The devil's welcome in your room. So if you want the devil, anyway. And so this, they, their books were the same thing. They said, we got to get, we're, we're for Jesus now. We got to get rid of everything that is not for Jesus. Anything that is in my possession that is not for Jesus, I got to get rid of. So they burned these books. And the value of the books that were burned by the believers, it says, was this. 50,000 drachmas. You're like, wow, that's cool. 50,000 drachmas. A drachma, in my Bible, is, was worth about a day's wage. So if you multiply that out, it was like $10 million. So that $10 million worth of occultic books they took and burned because they had found, man, that's a transformation in the city right there. And the workers who made idols stir up a big riot because they're losing money. I mean, can you imagine that um, in the news or something? Man, the Christians are going so crazy that, uh, you know, the... Triple X stores, they're going out of business. I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about is happening in this place. That it's not that I'm outside picketing saying, oh, Mayor Perry, please close these down. Or I don't even know if we have those in the city. I, I really don't know where they are, so that's good. <laughs> but I mean, I think there's some in Odessa or something. I mean, just play, you know, places like that, or whatever it is, the, the worst bar or whatever. I mean, those places were closing down, not because people were picketing or not because they were calling their politician, but because the transformation was so great. So many people were changed that those places were losing business and they had to shut down. No one had to tell them they were forced by the move of God through the miraculous and through the relationship of the disciples together. So that's pretty amazing. So that's what's going on. Here's how Paul did it, though. I mean, you saw we saw the miracles. We saw him with the disciples. And Paul begins to leave. He's, you know, he's an apostle, so he's sent. So he's always going. He says, look, my time here is done. You have all you need. I'm moving on to the next place. And verse 18 says this. Let's start in verse 17, excuse me. 20, verse 17. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. So he, there's, there's, there's leaders there now by this time, two years later. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. That's a good clue right there. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And I want you to notice the first, the first line, the first thing he says. You know, the first thing someone says, if he's going to say farewell, is pretty important. That tells me it's not... You know, Paul was going to say something very important. And he says this, you know how I lived among you. Now, you don't know how someone lives without spending time with them outside of church. I mean, if you show up and see me preach or see Melissa worship or see whoever do something, you don't know how they live. You know how we act in a church service, whether it's an act or whether it's real. You don't know how I live. Um, how do you find out how someone lives? You've got to spend time with them day after day after day. And Paul says, you know how I live from the first day I came here. 
That tells me that Paul spent a lot of time with his people. And you know what, Paul, we have to remember this, Paul, at this point, it appears, was not married. And so he didn't have a family to care for. So we always have to remember that, I mean, some people get off on the Bible, you know, oh, we have to all be like Paul. No, we have to get the heart of Paul is what we want, not the exactly how Paul acted. In other words, I have a wife and a child. So I'm not going to say, oh, I got to make disciples. I got to be with people. Sorry, babe, I'm with, I'm with Charles. Oh, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow night, maybe. Oh, no, on tonight, I'm with John Poe, man. Oh, we're having a great time. We're just praying. We're having a great time. Oh, man, Austin called me up. He's family, so that's close. Oh, man, we're having a great time. Hey, honey, oh, uh, kiss Evan for me. I'll see you at home. I'm with, I'm with Kay and Judy. We're, we're having a worship night. Uh, it's, it's going great. Oh, hey, oh, oh, Greg Long called me up tonight. For, man, I'm just making disciples this week, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Uh, I mean, people get off on that. Your family is first. If you can't live life on life with your family, don't don't invite anyone else on. I I try to make that clear because that's, you know, that's a trap for any minister, certainly. And even anybody who's passionate for God, you can, man, I just want to get out. And that's fine because I believe God gives us all enough time to reach who we're supposed to reach. And a lot of times it's just one person, like I said last week. You're not looking to meet with this person. It's a... It may be just one person that God says, you invest in them. You share your life with them. You allow the Holy Spirit to to mark them because he's marked you. The mark that's on you will mark them as well. And you know what? It will be unique in their lives. That mark will change in their lives because they'll have a unique relationship with me. But, you know, think about who that is in your life. I challenge you to think, who, who, who am I sharing my life, life on life with? If it's if you're not doing it with your family, well, let's start there. Let's start with the family. So you start there, and if and if that is established and healthy, then you move on to the to the next level, which is relationship with others in the body of Christ. And then he, you know, and also, or it may be somebody who is not a part of the body of Christ, who you're supposed to begin a disciple before they even are saved, before they even meet Jesus, that you're beginning to share the life of God, whether they know it or not. It may not even be directly out there, but it may be happening because Paul says, you know how I lived. If someone sees how you live among them, they're with you enough to know what happens when you're mad, what happens when, you're, when frustration comes, what happens when, when a great thing happens to you. How do you live? And it, that's when things are powerful will happen. We had a... Here's an illustration of... We've got to get off the, mind, the church, like, religious mindset. <laughs> You, you know what what that is is like here here's what it is you know what here's what we need we and this is not a bad thing it's not to say this is bad we don't we need to know the bible stories because we don't know the bible stories how can we how can we grow in the lord now that sounds good on the outside it sounds like man that's a great idea and it is great to know the bible stories but that's not the beginning. So what they did is they went through this little class. One of the pastors took them through and went through the Old Testament. They, taught, they did the stories uh, every, every time. Now, and all they did was get knowledge. All they did was learn the stories. Um, they didn't go deeper than that. It didn't impact their lives. And so, you know what happened to those, those people is they didn't grow. 
the, the very thing they wanted didn't happen. They thought they were doing some good religious exercise, but instead, you know, one of them had a man move in with them. Uh, and, you know, when they're not married and other ones begin to have marriage problems. Wouldn't it have been better, rather than just learning the Bible stories in my head, if they got together with someone and they shared their hearts together, yeah, it's going to lead to the Scriptures. The Scriptures are going to come out of that because if you're a believer in Jesus, He's got those in your heart. You're going through something that, hey, that reminds me of this in the Bible where this person did this and they saw God and they saw this is what, what happened when God moved into that situation. Oh, wow. And then your life is happening in their life and you're sharing life on life. See, the opposite of that was also in the same church in Austin. We did, uh, my brother and I, and I've shared this story before, had a young man come live with us for his senior year of high school. Now, this guy was committed to youth group. I mean, he was like, he was there at every youth group event. He was, every week we had youth group and then we had a Bible study. Man, we were hardcore Hardcore youth pastor, man. We had two meetings a week. And so, that's a joke. <laughs> so, and he came to both of those. And yeah, he, he got saved in our youth group. He was beginning to grow. But when he moved in with us for one year, and this is not a testimony to us. I mean, but God had done things in my, my brothers in my life. We've been raised in a godly home. Without even trying, his life changed more in that one year in all those years of coming to Bible study and coming to the youth group. Because life on life, he knew how he lived. And his life is never the same. And now he, he is, leads worship for a church of about 1,500 in Austin. Uh, he was involved in a, a big Jesus culture conference in, in Dallas, helping lead worship with a national ministry. Man, and all we did was show him how to play I Could Sing of Your Love Forever, you know, and, and led him to the Lord. That's it. But man, our, we had a part in that. It's amazing to see. And then God takes other people and multiplies that in his life. That's, there's what happens when life on life happens. So look at this scripture real quick. Two scriptures. And then we'll close. Hang with me. Just for, can you hang with me for a few more minutes? You all right? Not too hungry? 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 6. 1 Thessalonians 2, 6. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and then 1 Thessalonians. That's how you get to it. If you don't know where Galatians is, then it's after Acts. Go to the right. Corinthians, Philippians... Thessalonians. And this is a letter that Paul sent to a different group of believers. And look what he says here. Verse 6. We were not looking for praise for men, not from you or anyone else. And here's kind of where the thought starts in the middle of the verse. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. But listen what he says. But we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. Or like a mother nursing her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. 
Everybody say that together. Our lives as well. So you got, you got both. The gospel, the miraculous, and the relationship. Our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. Remember, Paul has no family, so he can work night and day. Okay? You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. Wow. Would you like to say that about your life? You can. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. I mean, look at, look at the language there. Look at the, look at the, like the intimate language that Paul uses with his, the, the, the group of, of people there. He's like, look, we were among you like a mother, gently caring and nursing her baby. I mean, that's, some, that's a close relationship right there. I mean, I, I've seen that firsthand, just having a baby. To see, um, that's literally what the, what the scripture says there, like a mother nursing um, the NIV has caring, but I mean, it's literally taking a baby and nursing them on the breast. And so that's, there's like a, I don't know what that's like because I'm a man, but from what I've heard from my wife and I've heard others speak on, you know, share about that there's something very intimate and bonding in that time that happens between a mother and a child. And Paul's saying, look, when we came to you, And only because of the Holy Spirit's love in me, I was able to care for you as gently and as, and as carefully and as nourishingly and as intimately as a mother caring for her baby. That's relationship right there. That's discipleship. And he goes on, he says, we were also, uh, we shared our lives with you. What was the other one? Uh, you became so dear to us. I mean, look at the language he's using. He's not using... Uh, Hey, how you doing? What's going on? No, this is this is a there's a closeness here. And it's because Paul allowed his life to be open to somebody else. And his life was transferred into this group of believers like a father with his children. Man, there's nothing like a a father with his children. I mean, you fathers in here, when you see your 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 young one coming to you and I know now. I, he doesn't come to me. He just lays there. But <laughs> I come to him. But I mean, but I mean, really, that's how it happens. You come to them first, but then they begin to come to you. And so, I mean, there's nothing like that. But Paul, the relationship was so close. And you know, he's not. You know, if this wasn't true, he couldn't have written it to them. I mean, Paul's not going to write something that they're going to read in their in their gathering and go, "What is this dude talking about? He's he's he must be." He must be trying to run some TV ministry or something, trying to tell me to send him money. No, this was, this was Paul, the real deal, coming and sharing his life with them so that he could literally say, look, you're so dear to me, you're so close to me. And that's how God wants us to, first of all, relate to him, but also be able to pour our lives into someone else. That God gives us the ability to, at times, be gentle and be, you know what? When a baby needs to be nursed, you don't worry about anything else except you just feed them. That's all they need. 
They don't need anything else. They, do, they don't need to be told something. They don't need to be taught anything. They just need fed. They just need nourishment. They just need something so their life can grow. But there's other times when you come and you have to be a father to encourage them or to correct or to discipline or to do, you know, to share in, in all these different ways. You come as a friend, as a brother and sister and come alongside to encourage. So, we'll stop there. I thought this was a short message. Um, so I want us, what I want us to do is, is, is stand. I want you to, everybody join hands to bridge the aisles and, and join hands together. And I feel like God wants to just commission us, anoint us, whatever word you want to use, send us to say, look, now is the time to be fruitful and multiply. In other words, and what that means, it, some people are like, I'm being released from this prayer right now. <laughs> Shane is like, I don't receive that. And I love that Dave and Shane are holding hands back there. I'm going to keep, it, keep this going as long as I can. So, but spiritually here, okay? Be fruitful and multiply. In other words, whether that's even just in your family, whether it's just saying, I, you know what? God's challenging me to share my life, life on life, more with my son or my daughter. Hey, that, that may be what God calls you to do. That's being fruitful and multiplying. It may be a friend at work. It may be a family member. maybe somebody outside your family. But God is saying now is the time to begin to know that you are worthy You've got everything you need, and the things that you don't need, he's going to give you, and you're going to need to come to him for more to grow along the way, and God's going to release that in us as a people. And it's just a start. It's just a beginning, and to let the Holy Spirit show you. So I'm just going to pray. Here's what, here's what I'm going to do. Actually, I almost forgot. Pray for the person um, on your right. If you don't have someone on your right, go ahead and just pray for the person on your left. Um, that, that clear. I'll pray out loud, but you go ahead and pray. You can pray quietly so you don't have to be embarrassed. But just pray for that person on your right. Just pray that God would make them fruitful and, and reproduce the good things and the life in Him that He's He wants to. So here I'm going to do this. Lord, we just thank you, Father. We, we thank you that you want to multiply things in our lives, Father. We thank you for the miraculous being multiplied. We thank you for intimacy with you being multiplied. We thank you for relationships in our families, Lord, that we will be fruitful and multiply, Lord, that we will reproduce your life in us, Father, that we will not hold it in, Father, that it will be passed on to others. It will be multiplied, Lord. We speak a blessing over the person on our left and our right, Lord, that they would be blessed to be fruitful, that any barrenness, Lord, that spiritual barrenness has no place in our lives, Lord, that the things you've given us were meant to be sent forth and not kept to ourselves, Lord. So we thank you for joy being multiplied, for salvation being multiplied, for wisdom being multiplied, for for uh, holiness being multiplied, Lord.
Lord, for power and compassion be multiplied in our lives for the salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the release of healing and the worship of you, Jesus, being multiplied in our lives to our family members, to our friends, to those we come in contact with, that we might share our life and imprint it on their lives. Lord, show us, Holy Spirit, lead us, give us new ways, show us new ways to do that, Lord. We thank you that from this point on, we are marked for fruitfulness and reproduction in the kingdom, Lord, spiritually, in Jesus' name, for many sons and daughters, Lord, to be multiplied from this from this group of people right now. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right. That be blessed. Go share life on life with whoever. Be praying for us at camp.